Welcome to the Money Over 50 podcast, brought to you by Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue from Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Welcome to Money Over 50. Today's topic, the most likely returns of the last 30 years. Thanks, Dallas. So, um, episode 138, we spoke about what if I retired and my superannuation dropped by minus 30% just after I retired, which we we, we hear that phrase a lot, Dallas, yeah. exactly like it's that. Big, what if I retire fear, and we, yeah. we get another GFC or what if I retire and we get another 87 stock crash. market crash? Yeah. Um, in that episode, uh, what I actually looked at or what we looked at is we looked at the data. If you did go in at precisely the the, the, the worst possible point in time, so just before um, the you know, when the market was at a, a peak before the eighty seven stock market crash, yeah, and um, that's the entry point in, and the exit point out was April two thousand and twenty, yeah. just yeah. over a time period of. Bit longer than thirty years, where the um, the bottoms of the coronavirus were. Yeah. Uh, so we looked at one set of data there. The second set of data in that episode we looked at uh, was that if I invested just before the global financial crisis, so again at the peaks, and I exited out at the troughs, which was you know, April two thousand and twenty. Yeah. What would my returns look like then? Mm-hmm. And. Um, in that, we presented a set of data that was fairly healthy. Now, I'm here to put my hand up <laughs> and say that the data was incorrect. Well, well, I'm glad you say that because I didn't have anything to do with the data. Yeah, nothing to do with it. <laughs> so, um, I'm really, really happy that I was I was wrong on the downside. Yeah. So, the yep. figures are actually a lot better than that. Yeah. Um, basically, you we, we counted inflation twice. Counted inflation twice. So, on the where we referenced the... Um, political calculations, S&P 500 at your, your fingertips... Uh, that lookup function website, which which we can enter entry points and exit points. Yeah. And if you'd been investing in the largest 500 companies in America, where where would you be positioned? Right down the bottom, where it spits out the results. Yeah. Um, it, I was taking that as the gross as amount. the gross amount, but yeah. it's actually the that the amount. gross yeah. return minus inflation. inflation. So it's inflationary adjusted. So what I'm talking about there is. Uh, we quoted, I quoted a figure that if you'd invested just before the 87 stock market uh, crash, you got a 6.97% rate of return yeah. for um, on average per year. Now, that actual rate of return was 9.63%. Yeah. So, uh, so that then the, inflation, the, yeah. inflation was 2.49%. So, they've subtracted inflation out of that to yeah. give us 6.97%. Yeah. So, um, and then, uh, and then you, we accidentally accounted that 7% as the gross return. As the gross return, but it was actually the inflationary adjusted return. So, so because the, the thesis, or not the thesis, but I guess the, the point of what we took out of this whole, to summarize the whole 30 minute episode in, in a couple of sentences was that, I don't know about you, but I was surprised at how healthy those returns were, given that you'd picked the absolute worst times. You picked the worst time to get in at the sort of the highest price point possible. And then you picked the worst point to to stop calculating, which was in the in the 
in the very bottom of the of the the coronavirus sort of panic last year. So over that time, over that worst sort of thirty odd year time frame, there was a total return of nine point six three percent per annum per annum as an annualized rate of return. So you invested at precisely the worst possible time. So yeah. again, just imagine you were retiring in nineteen eighty seven. Yeah. Your worst fears come true. You yeah. retired. Yeah. And big, big stock market crash. Big stock market crash. So yeah. you retired in October of eighty seven. Um, later that month, what happened was um, yeah, some fantastic named things like Black Monday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the total drop was forty five percent over a three day period. Yeah. So your worst fears come true, your superannuation got cut in half, mm. essentially. Um yeah. So if you panicked at that at that precise point in time, you never recovered from that. Yeah. However, if you just sat there yeah. and said, I'm not doing "Markets anything. come back. I'm not doing anything." Yeah. The, um, the 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 classic plot of yeah. the Seinfeld pilot <laughs> to do on, on Seinfeld. Do nothing. The show is about nothing. Yeah. So you just do, do nothing, nothing. Sit there. Yeah. Be patient. And by doing nothing, you and by to- doing nothing. Yeah. You averaged a 9.63%. Hang on, let me just check this figure again. I've yeah. been known to get it wrong. <laughs> 9.63% per annum yeah. uh, by by just holding those largest 500 companies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and you got that year in, year out on, on average, and we've measured the worst possible point in, and we've measured a really, really bad yeah. point out, So, which is April of 2020, at, almost at the bottom of the coronavirus. So, so uh, what, lows. I guess what we'd say... Um, this podcast is actually about a different sort of topic. So with that, everything that we said in that podcast is still 100% correct. It's just that that those figures that we talked about, we said we had around, you know, it was just under a 7% return. It was actually a 9.5% return. So everything that we kind of said in that podcast, if if you're listening to this and that's your big fear is what if I invest and and then there's a big drop um, just before I retire, go back and listen to that podcast. It's all... All of the concepts remain the same. So that the topic there that we're talking about is is the is the worst case scenario. So you invest at the absolute worst time, and then you have thirty three odd years in retirement, and then you're, uh, you 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 pass away at the very at the very bottom of the of the market. Uh, 33 years later. Tis so, your morbid bloke. Uh, well, who, who says anyone has to pass away? Like, pass you can, away. That's what, how it why, works. Why, why can't we just pick an entry point? Otherwise, there's, point? No, there's no natural closure. There's no end to this story. Like, otherwise, it's just a, a pot of money well, that's in there. Is. We're, we're recording. <laughs> you're, you're killing people off. Like, well, the, um, thing, the, the point here, I think, and I think that's genuinely people's fear, though, is because you think about it, you, you, for most people in Australia, and we've talked about this, your pot of money is is for you. Most people just don't want to be a burden on their kids. They're yeah. not that worried about leaving a huge amount behind for their kids. They just want to make sure they don't run out of money in retirement. So you re- the big fear is you retire, there's a huge drop. It takes 30 years and things recover and, and then and then you, know, you have another big drop throughout there and, and that's sort of when you pass away. So. That's the the natural closure. If we were telling this as as a screenplay, this would be what happened. Okay, I'll let you have that. It's about this. It's a look. I mean, it's about the length of a the retirement that we talk expected. about. So, yeah. from nineteen eighty seven to two thousand and yep. to and twenty. Yep. Um, that's about the average length of a yep. of, of a, a couple, of a couple retirement yep. in um, yep. in Australia. So, um, if you basically, if if that if you haven't listened to that episode, I'd. I'd highly recommend you go back and listen to it. And wherever you hear us talking about 
seven percent rate of return. What we're actually talking about there is nine and a half. But mm. that's um, like we say, that's that's people's big fear now. Separate to that, this topic is is really more around what's most likely to happen. So that's kind of the worst case. And um, what we wanted to do here, uh, and and it is your topic, so I'll, I'll throw to you, Michael. But what we want to look at is. If you don't pick the actual worst time, if you just go, okay, there's a range of different that I could have yep. invested my retirement savings and where do I end up um, yeah, over over the next 30 years? So what's most likely to happen, not necessarily the worst case? Thanks, Dale. So what I looked at as a starting position is what I would consider one of the best times to go in, which was January of 1988, yep. bearing so, in mind that we just had the, the 87 crash, yep. crash yep. Um, occurred in October, November of of, uh, of 1987. So, January 1988, yeah. generally considered a good time, good time to go in. Yeah. So, if you went in, and again, we're looking at the largest 500 companies in America here, not yeah. to suggest you to invest no. all of your money in the largest 500 companies in America. No. The data just goes... To this, this is not personal advice. Which this, has- this is completely ease of data. Yeah. So, ease of data. That's not the best companies. It's yeah. not the worst companies. It's a broad-based group of companies. Yeah. We advocate investing when you do invest in the companies into a really, really broad base. Yep. Um, uh, and the data, it's just ease of data. Yep. The data goes back further. So if I go in to those companies in January 1988 and yep. I exit out in January 2021, let's let's assume I've, I've died because yep. you're <laughs> killing people off. Oh, well, that's, that's what happens, um, right? What, what I actually averaged over that period of time is 10.93% per, per annum on yep. average, so nearly 11% yep. uh, per annum. Yep. Um, if I went in a year later, in 1989, January, and exit out at the same period of time, so it's different entry points, same exit out, yep. January 2021 yep. is the exit out. Yep. In now on January 2089, 10.72% yep. average rate of return per annum. Yeah. Uh, in on the 1st of January 1990, out in January 2021, 10.34% yep. average rate of return per annum. Yeah. In on January 1991, out January 2021, 10.73% yeah. average rate of return. Uh, in January 1992, out January 2021, 10.07% average rate of return. Uh, in on first, in on January 1993, out on, in January 2021, 10.15% average rate of return. Uh, in January 1994, out January 2021, 10.09% average annual rate of return. And in finally, uh, January 1995, out January 2021, 10.45% average annual rate of return. So there's a lot of numbers there, but I guess the, the, the point... It's sort of hard looking backwards at those times and the point we're trying to make here is that a lot of the conversation that we have with people is not so much a lot. I guess I guess there does tend to be, before people come and talk to us, people torture themselves about is now a good time to invest. They do. There, there is so much time and energy spent on people thinking, it's it's like a skipping rope, you know. Yeah. The skipping rope is coming. People are ducking. Should it jump in? What about now? What about now? What what about now? The point of all that is over such a broad range of time. If you just picked it any any time over that over that um, seven years, it it basically doesn't matter. You know, the returns over that 
over your retirement, as I said, if I've killed you off, from when you retire to when you pass away, your returns were somewhere between 10 and 11%. Not one of those time frames had a return that was higher than 11% and not one of them had a return that was lower than 10%. So I guess what we're talking about there is it, if you look back and you imagine that you were retiring, you know, you were leading up to retirement in, in the late 80s, early 90s, you imagine the amount of angst that would have gone into thinking, is, is now a good time? Is you know, a company price is going to drop next year? Are they going to go up? Have they gone up too much already? Should I wait until there's another drop? Should I put some in now, some in later? All that sort of thing. I guess the, the beauty of it is that when you look backwards and go, that's, that's what happened. That's what, that's what the returns were. They were within 1% over that 30-year time frame. It gives, I think, real peace of mind to know that if you're leading up to retirement now and you think this is the, a major thing to, that you need to be thinking about, we're here to tell you that you can just forget about it. Just don't worry about it. It really makes minimal, minimal difference. You were spot on. This data proves that. So, um, two things I'd like to point out. First of all, I've looked at the what's regarded here as the best entry period of time, and it, and it actually was. So, the best entry period of time yep. out of all of that data was January 1988. Yeah. Because um, the the average annual rate of return was 10.93% per yep. annum. That's the and highest. The, and the, and the reason that rate of return, just to <clears throat> sort of explain, the reason that rate of return was, was higher was because the price point that you bought in with was lower. Well, we just had the 87 crash. You were buying in at cheaper prices, effectively. Well, here's what I'd like to point out. So, the S&P 500 in January of 1988 was 250 points. Yeah. So, let's put that into dollar terms. Let's yep. imagine that is dollars. We're paying $250 on yep. average per share, share in those largest 500 companies. Yep. Um, if I'd waited till January 1995, I was actually paying $465 yep. a share. Now, Common assumption is that I've missed the boat. Yep. Common assumption is yep. You'd be gone, I, I need to wait for another drop. I need to... Markets have, have pretty much have doubled over the last seven years. It, I've missed that. I should have... All of those things. Yep. All of those things. So, if I had paid 465 per share, knowing that I could have got it for $250 yep. per share, yep. uh, some seven years beforehand, I still averaged 10.45% yep. as a rate of return yep. per annum. Now... Yep. It's not, now, even, it's not even half a percent. It's it's so close to 10.93%. Now, I made more money because if I'd invested earlier because I got that rate of return. Yep. Even yeah. though it's you know, only half a percent extra, yep. I, got I still got 10.93% rate of return. Yep. And that's why we say to people, it's the time that you spend in the money, yep. uh, in, the, in the market, sorry, yep. that makes the money for you. Yep. Um, the second point that I'd like to point out, though, is one of the things that we advocate when people, people ask us all the time, when is a good time to invest? And we say, when you have the money. Yeah. So, if you've come into a windfall now of $100,000, yeah. um, the, the, the time to invest that money yeah. is now. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, especially yeah. considering that yeah. term deposit rates are so yeah. low at this, yeah. at this point in time. No. But but what most people do, is it- for, for most people, that's that's every fortnight. Yes. So, the, the, the money becomes available every fortnight when they get paid. Yeah. And if we were to look at the effect of actually, because we've looked at a single entry point in and a single entry point out, what happens in reality is that there's 26 entry points for our clients every every year. Yeah. Because every fortnight they get paid, mm. they've got money going in. Now, if you if you looked at that, the dollar cost averaging effect of that, which is buying in 
at different prices and different starting points. Yeah, you know, twenty six different prices over yeah. the course of twelve months. Um, the, the the dollar cost averaging effect of that has uh, it, it, even, it even, even smooths those returns. Yeah, it's even, it's even, even less important. Even, yeah, it's even less important. Yeah, it is. Um, it's sort of interesting to think. I, I think for most people, it's a relief to hear that mm. because I don't think we're sort of. Uh, we've talked about this before. Our financial media all is driven towards short-term things, and you know what's the market doing this year? What has it done this week? And all those sorts of things. But I don't think that naturally people want to think about that. It's not most people's idea of a good time. If if you're a nurse or a school teacher or a builder or a, a doctor or whatever, you're not sitting there on a Friday going, "Geez, I can't wait home, wait to get home and and look at all the latest market forecasts and try and pick and choose what what's mm-hmm. going to happen in the next six months." So I think the, the thing for most people that, that we talk to is that it's a relief. It's just a relief to know that it doesn't matter. If, if you get in at, uh, at a, you know, a higher price point or a lower price point, yes, lower is better, but it's only better to the tune of, of, of a maximum of 1% over, over the course of that last 30 years. So, and I think the, the big takeaway from, for me for this is that if you look at the things that we worry about, most pe- that most people worry about is that they worry more about investing at the wrong time than they necessarily worry about how much, uh, what percentage of their retirement savings to invest. So if you look at that and you said that, you know, it, at those times I'm going to invest, and again, this isn't personal advice, but if you said I'm going to invest 100% of my money in, in companies, I'm going to invest 100% of my retirement savings in companies, it doesn't matter whether you got the best time to get in or the worst time to get in. You got somewhere between ten and eleven percent. Yep. Now, if at that point in time you had said, "I don't want to do that," I, you know, I, I think the market's overheated, or I think that this has happened, or I think that whatever, there would have been six thousand different reasons at that point in time why you didn't want to invest as much of your retirement savings. If you said, "I'm only going to invest half of that money, or sixty percent, or seventy percent of that money." The, the the amount of money that you left out and you that you got cash returns on for the last thirty years, that is a far, far, far bigger drag on your total returns than than any than any issue around what price point did I get in at. Does does that sort of make sense what I'm what I'm saying there is that Look absolutely and, and if you want to go back and look at the data, go back to a podcast called The Shocking Risk of Turn Deposits. Yeah. Which which just highlights Yeah. yeah. Yeah, retiring and yeah. having all of your money yeah. sitting in term deposits and, and the interest rate that you would have gotten yeah. or having all of your money in productive enterprise, yeah. the great companies yes. of uh, of the world. That's exactly right. And, um, that, that's, and, and, the, and the massive difference to someone's and that's lifestyle the, over a 30-year retirement. That's the exact word I'd use is the risk. Like when you're talking about mm-hmm. this with people leading up to their retirement, most people think their biggest risk is investing at the wrong time, mm. and we would say their biggest risk is not investing enough. Yes, not investing enough of their retirement savings in in productive enterprise, in companies that are going to get a return of somewhere in that sort of range in future. Now, to to clarify even more, we're not saying that over the next thirty years you will get somewhere between ten and eleven percent at no. all. What we're saying is that whatever that long term average return is, if over the next thirty years companies return an average of eight percent, for example, rather than rather than the ten to eleven percent here. There might be a period of, of constrained returns. There's all sorts of things that come into this with inflation and the rest of it. But if you said 
over the next 30 years, we get an 8% return. The point we're making is that whether you invest at a high point or a low point, you're going to probably get somewhere around somewhere between seven and a half and eight and a half percent. So yeah. I don't know. Whether, I don't know whether I'm, I'm not saying that figure is eight percent either. Well, I'm let, not let's cut that in half. half. Let's right. assume it's four percent. So let's, let's say you're retiring right now and yep. you only get a four percent rate of return yep. by investing in these great companies in Australia and the world. Yep. The comparison right now is yep. about half a percent yep. in terms of turn deposits. Yep. So you're living. Yep. A vastly improved retirement on a four percent average rate of return, yeah. as opposed to a half a percent average rate of return, and which is which is what the turn deposit. So I think your big point there is Dallas. Uh, also, whatever that rate of return is, we we assume it's going to be north of a half a percent by yeah. by quite a margin. <laughs> yes. Yep. And, and what we're saying is that we know of no one that can afford to to retire and have the the vast majority of their retirement savings yeah. sitting in term deposits and bonds at at today's rate of interest, which is about half a percent. Yeah. Um. You know, for every million dollars that you have in retirement savings, at half a percent, you're getting five. Th- your money's making five thousand dollars. Yeah. Now you're spending multiples of that. Yeah. In the first year of your retirement alone. Yeah, and that and that's exactly exactly the point is that I think it's it's easy to look backwards and go. Oh, well, you know, we got over these timeframes, we got a, a gross return of somewhere between 10 and 11%. So uh, I don't think returns, and, and you'd often hear this, like you read in the news, people go, oh, equity returns are going to be, you know, constrained over the next 30 years. With, mm. Who cares? Like, yeah. it's still, even, even, like you said, even if you're getting, even if over the next 30 years you get an 8% rate of return or a 5% rate of return, it's still far better than, than the other options that are available to you. And that's, that's, I guess, the big thing is like whatever that return is over the next 30 years, it, it's, um, you know, this is probably a whole other episode about long-term rolling 30-year returns are surprisingly consistent. So there's there's not... I actually have a... We have an episode coming up. <laughs> I do, okay. I've perfect. got that on the, yeah. I've, I've got that on on the list. list. Yeah, yeah, perfect. So... Go so make 75 years. Okay, there you go. So my, my point is that, you know, it's... You, over over that sort of time frame, not only is your return extreme, like yeah, you basically can't you can't possibly think that you're not going to get a better than half a percent rate of return over the next thirty years by investing in companies. Yep. It's just not it's not rational. It's not logical. And separate to that, if if you agree, which like we just said, if you're retiring now, or retiring soon, and you think well. I can't rely on a half percent rate of return. I need to have that money invested in companies. I need to have it working for me. Part two of that that people automatically go to then is, well, yeah, but it's now a good time. What about China? What about this? What about that? We're here to tell you that it just doesn't matter. Yeah. O- over the next 30 years, whatever that rate of return is going to be, it's going to, you are going to practically get around that. You're probably going to get within 1% of that average rate of return, yep. regardless of whether you invest at a high point or at a low point. You're gonna get somewhere around what that needs to be. So, basically, just accept that. Invest, as we've said, you've got that money to invest for the long term. Invest that money. Forget about it, and get back to focusing on what you can control. And the the name of that future podcast will be called Rolling Thirty Thirty Year Returns. Rolling Thirty Year Returns over the last seventy five years. Perfect. I started in the month that my mother was born, <laughs> December nineteen forty five. Yeah, was right. the first the first first uh, uh, mother A lady never reveals her age. She's probably <laughs> going to be filthy. Yeah. Um, um, no, I think that's that's that's. Uh, yeah, I, I I bang on about this because I just feel like it's such. 
Yeah, I mean, I have the data. It's remarkably consistent yeah. over that period of time. So yeah. we'll, 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 and, we and won't share that now, of course, no. but, but it's, it's remarkably consistent over and, that period of time. And those are the things that I think it's, if we had unlimited time and energy and attention and focus, then, you know, like we find all these rates of return really interesting. So, mm. so we look at it and that's, you know, part of our job with projections and what's, you know, you got to look at all these things. But for the, for the person who's looking at getting ready to retire, there's only a few things you need to know. Number one, on average, over the next 30 years, companies are going to outperform cash. Uh, number two is that if you assume that, then you're going to have to be predominantly invested in, in companies. And if you do that, it doesn't matter what price point you get in at. That has a far less impact on you than what you probably think. And thirdly, there are many, many other things that you can do to control how much you retire with in terms mm. of picking up all your tax savings, making sure that you're putting enough away. Uh, taking advantage of this volatility so that you can get money in every fortnight, all these types of things. So yep. it's kind of one of those things where if you listen to this podcast thinking, oh, these guys are going to tell me the most likely returns of the next 30 years and that'll that'll really help me, we're here to tell you that we don't know and further to that, it just doesn't matter. Yes, and if, I mean, if we were financial advisors whose value add was to tell people when to invest and to tell them mm. what to invest into and that was it, then Num- number one, we'd, we'd, be, giving, we'd be crooks if, we'd be if crooks, that was us because no one can we, do that. We'd be giving we'd be giving our secret away. Yeah. Um, look, this is just one element yes. of someone's retirement savings. Yeah. So if you're if you're ten years out from retirement now, yeah. there's so much we can do yeah. in terms of of picking up those tax yeah. dollars that you're not picking up right yeah. now by contributing up to your yeah. maximum concessional contribution limits each year. Yeah. Um, structuring it so that the day that you retire, you've got all your yeah. retirement savings in yeah. what's just about to become a tax-free company for you, yeah. like a 0% tax yeah. superannuation fund. Yeah. Um, there's just two of the things, yeah. two and of the main yeah. things that we do. And, so, And that's, I guess, my, my thing is like we talk about the, the returns over the last 30 years and the returns moving forward is that we, we never know. Like if you're 10 years out from retirement, we don't necessarily know exactly how much money you will need in order to, to live the, you know, we can do a spreadsheet and it'll show you roughly here's what you can draw out assuming these rates of return. We don't know what those assumed rates of return are, but we do know roughly the ballpark of where you need to be. Mm. And if, if if you're sitting there and in, in you, what we talk about with our clients in our first meeting is around, you know, how much income you're going to draw every year. We know roughly whether you need a million dollars or two million dollars or one and a half million dollars. That's, that's sort of within... so. If you need $2 million and you end up in the ballpark of there and your rates of return are pretty close to what we sort of expect over the next 30 years, you're going to be fine. Yep. And and that's, like I say, more important than if you need $2 million to retire and, you, and you're on track to end up with a million, there's a big problem there. It doesn't matter what rates of return you get over that next no. 30 years. You are not, you're not even close to where you need to be. So getting those... Getting the big picture stuff right is is far more important than any time navel gazing, thinking about, you know, on average over the next thirty years, are we going to get an eight percent return or a nine percent or a seven percent? That stuff is all, you know, you want to work that money as hard as possible, but we can't control that. We can only control getting into the ballpark of where we need to be, and getting as much money as we possibly can invested in companies that are going to return far better than cash. And feel free to reach out to us at podcast at mo50.com.au. Uh, we'd only be too happy to take a look over your current figures. It's about one hour of time that you give up and we give up over a Zoom meeting. And um, and there's no cost nor obligation yep. on your behalf in that meeting. So the source of this data here, if you are interested, is politicalcalculations.blogspot.com. 
and uh, it's the S&P 500 at your fingertips. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Money Over 50 podcast with Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.